Welcome back to the Everything Property Podcast. Come tax time, today's guest should be your best friend. He's known for the occasional triathlon or cycle, uh, appearing or hosting his own podcasts, his fast cars, and according to Google, a musical artist. I don't know if you knew that one, but right. <laughs> I also consider him uh, as the godfather of tax depreciation. He probably isn't old enough for that title, but he's been around talking about the subject for what seems like an eternity. He's the managing director at MCG Quantity Surveyors. Mike Mortlock, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dave. It's a pleasure. What an intro. Yeah, perfect. Can I don't know if you knew that, but... But Google, first thing that comes up is musical artist. Mike Mortlock, musical artist. Oh, you know, I think there is some sort of DJ uh, Mike Mortlock, maybe in the UK or something. Okay, but it's your it's your pick. Is it? Yeah, I'd, yeah, well, I'd roll on with it. Well, my first job <laughs> actually was a busker. So when I was, I think, nine years old, I started busking on the streets. Yep. And I had that sort of cute factor, cute-ish. Right, yeah, still like, cute, still got it. Oh, thanks, Dave. <laughs> yeah. You're so sweet. Um, so, and yeah, I did used to sing for my supper back in the day. I used to play guitar at restaurants and that sort of stuff. So maybe that's come from an old bio. Who knows? Yeah, you could be popping off on. Uh, okay, fair enough. Well, look, <laughs> talk to me a little bit past then. Um, you've obviously it's been a while since school in those days, but the early, early sort of start of your career was it always? quantity surveying was it always qs stuff or where did you sort of find your feet and start to move into where you are now uh i'm gonna glaze over i think you just called me old then because school has been (laughs) admittedly like Uh, a a while ago took a a bit of a guess yeah Yeah, that's all right yeah no you just look at my face and work backwards um no it wasn't always quantity surveying in fact i've started some presentations before saying like when I was in kindergarten, I didn't stand up and say, I want to be a quantity surveyor because that would be a weird kid. That would be a weird kid. That would be, be interesting. <laughs> weird yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Um, but I had some health issues that meant that that wasn't a pathway for mm. me. I got my pilot's license last year. So I still fly, but about like one-tenth of the speed. Yeah, okay. Not quite, not quite the same. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I, I was interested in property. I was interested in real estate. And I was, I was very, very close to becoming a valuer. But then I got a job working for a quantity surveying firm and they convinced me to change over my degree and I realised that I quite enjoyed it. Um, I'm an analytical sort of person. Um, I love the data. I love property, not necessarily the nuts and bolts construction. So we have a a traditional estimating part of our business. I'm Mm kind of useless to those guys because I'm much more of a high level analytical sort of person. Um, But, you know, it's not something that I set out to do, but I do actually enjoy it. Uh, I wish we were creating a, a greater impact in the world, but I sort of try and pin us to the, the people that come through our doors. They're trying to fundamentally change their financial future, right? So if we're doing things to the best of our ability, then we're a partner in that journey. So that, that sort of gives me a little bit of a, a warm and fuzzy feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, that's that's probably a good uh, segue into, you know, we're in this foundation of the Everything Property podcast when we're talking about building the team and the, the list of professionals that you're going to need on your journey. Uh, obviously, a quantity surveyor will come into it, especially yeah. uh, around tax time, but you're probably the best person to ask and the expert, but how, how does, you know, if I'm a property investor and I own property, uh, how do you sort of come into the equation and how can you help in, in my property journey? Yeah, when people talk about building a property team, quantity surveyors are kind of left off because we're not necessarily part of the strategy mm-hmm. um, because depreciation is a bonus. Like people shouldn't be looking for a type of property based on the deductions, but when they are narrowing it down, it 
is very helpful to have a relationship with a quantity surveyor because yep. you could be saying, all right, I'm looking at these two properties. Can you give me an idea about the deduction so I can do my sort of cash flow analysis? So it's worthwhile building a relationship with a quantity surveyor. Yep. Um, but where we come in is really when you purchase that property. So when you're purchasing the property, we'll have an initial conversation just to get a sense of whether it's worthwhile to get a report done. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we can look after that for the client. So tax time is obviously a big one, yep. but we encourage people to get it done sort of straight away after they purchase the property because some people wait too long and they miss out on deductions and the stats on that are pretty horrifying. Okay, so what, what's an example? So uh, as soon as I'm purchasing the property, um, I'm, I should be getting in touch with the economy surveyor. What, yeah. what about the age of the property and what I'm buying in particular? Does that matter? It absolutely matters. Yep. And I, and I think Tell like us a bit more about if that. If we were in the court, it would be objection, leading the witness. Yeah, but yeah. you led me beautifully as an interviewer. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the date does matter. But then in some respects, I like to say that it also doesn't matter. Because when I go and say, okay, well, it needs to be built after the 16th of September 1987 to claim deductions on the original building structure – automatically people then go in their head, okay, well, if it's built in the 60s, then it's not going to be worthwhile. Um, that's not necessarily true. And in fact, even some quantity surveyors I've heard saying new property is better for depreciation than old property. But that's not always true, right? Think, for example, a property that was just built brand new, a brand new house for $350,000. Now, it might give you, say, $15,000 worth of tax deductions in a year. Um, or you could contrast, let's say, a blue chip property that uh, was built in the 1930s and has just had a $2 million renovation on it. Now, that's going to blow the trousers off that brand new property because we're able to estimate the value of those renovations and at the very least you're able to get a 2.5% depreciation claim each year. So if it's a million dollars and it's $25,000 a year, right? So that's where the date does matter for what qualifies. Mm -hmm. So if it's brand new, you get the structure, you get the plant and equipment. If it's secondhand but it's built after 1987, you get the original bones. Yep. If it's pre-87, then we need to look at the history of the property. So it could have been built in the 70s and never been renovated, but that's quite unusual because you think about how old that property would be. Yeah. You're not going to get the best quality tenant. You're not going to get the best rental. You're not going to get equity uplifts if you get um, – well, you're not going to be able to release equity to the best of the potential of the property because a valuable will come in and say, this place is gross. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the date does matter, but it's important to understand that all properties can have great depreciation deductions if they've been renovated or improved over the years. Yep. Okay, perfect. And then I guess, oh, I, actually, I might, um, I might skip over it a little bit because I know next episode I want to do tax depreciation schedules for property owners, yep. uh, everything you need to know. So we want to go through benefits of depreciation schedule cash flow over time. Yeah. Um, so we'll keep it sort of a little bit high level. I'll obviously cut all this stuff out. But, um, okay, so but it, it essentially to summarise it, Corny Surveyor, I'm getting in touch with one as soon as I purchase the property. Yep. Do you even think it's worth – um, before, and I'm like, if I'm comparing a couple of properties just to know my options, with, yeah. you know, especially around the date of it and what I can and can't do in terms of. I would say yes, yep. but I would, I would hesitate to say uh, yes, because I wouldn't want someone making a decision on property A versus property B because of the deductions. 
if if their houses side by side um, in the you know in the exact same street, everything's identical, but maybe one's had some different improvements, then mm. that might be a deciding factor. But then it could all come down to the negotiation. Okay, we can get this one a little bit cheaper or what have you. So I think it's important to know your numbers, and that's where depreciation comes in. So even pre purchase you can get an indicative idea that say you'll get between say four and five thousand dollars worth of deductions and then you can go into it with an idea about what your after tax cash flow would be but really um, you can't claim the deductions until you own the property so we like to be engaged just prior to settlement so we can ideally get an inspection done straight away after a settlement, ideally before the tenant goes in. The majority of our inspections are done with tenants in place, but I just kind of think if you've got a new tenant moving into your property, it's not really nice to have a weird-looking bloke like me come in with a a clipboard and a camera, you know, so we may as well get in while it's vacant. It's easy for everybody. Okay, but what's the difference between doing it then and doing it, say, um, May... May coming up to the end of financial year and for tax time? These days, not that much. Okay. Back pre-19... Uh, t- sorry, 2017. Yeah. I forgot how... I was going to say, show How old age. I am. Yeah, I was in yeah. happies, yeah. <laughs> back when it was black and white. You don't need <laughs> to rub it in, but... Yeah. Um, Back in the day, we used to like to get it done straight away because it was a snapshot of what was there because sometimes people would actually rip things out and you used to be able to claim... 100% of the residual value. That's a technique called scrapping, but doesn't necessarily exist anymore. Um, so there's. So if you, let's say you buy it in, uh, in October, one particular year, yes, you can absolutely wait until May, June the next year. You only really need to get the report done by the time you meet with your accountant. But part of the reason why I say get it done straight away is because we've analysed a thousand residential purchases and we found that 6.7% of people waited so long that they missed out on deductions. So to give you some context around that, you can back claim two financial years worth of deductions, right? So these are people that waited more than two years and they missed out on some claims. So two years after doing work or two years after claiming a particular item? After purchase. So after purchase. More, yeah, so okay. more than two years after purchase. And what that essentially meant is that the average person in that sample of the people that missed deductions, they lost $20,537. So at the time, we had a journalist um, coach us on clickbaity style articles and they said like how about what would that mean across the total investor population and it worked out to be 2.88 billion dollars worth of free money for property investors just floating in the ether wow, i can see that i can see the t- headline already for yeah. that property yeah yeah it's catching isn't it yes well, definitely 2.8 billion dollars for now that yeah, it's 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 a lot, and I, I always like to say like that's probably a nuclear submarine, or I don't know how much they cost. A like wind farm, a propeller, or something. Yeah, yeah. half a wind farm. Yeah. Well, wind farms, I think, are good. Nuclear submarines arguably are a waste of money because we don't seem to be able to buy them very well. We bought the Collins class; they were rubbish. We tried to buy it from the French, then we annoyed them. Yeah. You know, so the government has a good uh, track record of wasting money. Yeah. So don't give it to them. Like, if you want to give it to anyone, give it to a charity. True. Definitely good use of money. Okay, um, so tell me though, uh, with doing this depreciation stuff, your own property portfolio. Um, I know you, you, you've got a couple of pro- you've appeared on uh, a lot of property podcasts. You've got a couple of your own. Um, you're a very active property commentator. What's the property investing 
um, story or scenario with you, you know, in terms of property count or what's your, what's your strategy around that? Yeah, look, um, my wife and I decided quite some time ago that we weren't necessarily going to talk about the numbers of properties and those sorts of things. But I'm always happy to talk about sort of the fundamentals that that we look look for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also the number is the wrong conversation. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people invest in property with all these ego metrics, like I want to get ten in ten years or thirty before thirty. And yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I think there's a book with that. Title. Yeah, yeah, there probably is. Um, <laughs> But but I think that's kind of like the the wrong approach, and mm. and it's a bit like Instagram. Like every, every average post on Instagram is just kind of almost conspiring to make you feel miserable about yourself, right? Because yeah. there's always someone with more money who's better, better looking. I don't know. You're a pretty handsome bloke, Dave. But yeah, okay. <laughs> this is an audio podcast. What a waste. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've yeah. got video somewhere. I've got a I've got a voice for voice for radio. <laughs> I'm not sure about the face. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, like do do you have two well located growing properties that are worth a million dollars each or do you have 10 you know shit boxes that are 180 grand they don't really do anything but put a few bucks back in your pocket so i think it's important to see through some of that bs there but Definitely. my my philosophy has always been around uh, land to asset ratio so i like to have as big a land component as i can mm-hmm. i own some townhouses but not units um pr- I prefer houses. Yep. I tend to 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 favour more regional locations rather than high purchase prices, just from a diversification yep. uh, point of view. Um, and it might be surprising to note that uh, none of the properties that I own are depreciation monsters, right? Because people sort of will ask me, "What yep. what should I buy for the best deductions?" And I tend to describe the worst investment property you could think of, like a one bedroom apartment in a complex of three hundred with a gym, uh, a swimming Two pool. Lifts. Six yeah. lifts, I've actually. <laughs> there's a place in, in Melbourne that I did years ago. There were yeah. six lifts and they were worth a million dollars each, you know. And you think of the strata fees. Like, it'll put hair on your hairs. Yeah. The deduction's amazing, right? Absolutely yeah. amazing. But do you want to minimise your tax or do you want to buy an asset that's going to compound grow over the years so at the end mm. you've got freedom tickets that's what i think money is it's kind of freedom tickets i'm not terribly impressed by it yeah but it's yeah it's time and it's it's opportunity Mm -hmm. definitely i think if you're if you're looking to if you're looking to buy and make a purchase especially investment property um and and depreciation is what's the the seller is selling you the property on especially a lot of house and new house and land packages as you know think you're definitely making the wrong decision and you need to rethink that you should not be investing to be able to depreciate and sort of celebrate losing that money. It's mm. good, as you said, I think you touched on it in the first couple of minutes of this interview, you said that um, it's a good bonus and addition to add on, but it should never be one of your you know top or main reasons for making a purchase so let me rephrase my question in terms of and i totally agree with you because i know there's there's buyers agents and there's people out there that have in the 20s and the 30s of properties but i mean again as you said if they're going to be townhouses um you know that are returning returning or costing money each week and it's and it's there's no capital growth and they run into all those issues you know how how beneficial are they going to be compared to a few um you know established houses on bigger blocks well located that are growing in capital growth every year maybe neutrally grid so let me rephrase this to you i suppose in your in your investing journey um where are you at and 
how close do you have an investing goal? Do you have an end goal? What does the finish line look like where you go, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm done, I'm finished, we're happy, we're comfortable, or I've reached that, that end goal? That's a great question. I suppose in, in my head I compartmentalise it. I, I pretend that I don't have a business, mm-hmm. I just have a property portfolio, yep. and then at the same time I pretend I have no properties and I just have a business, mm-hmm. so I try and focus on them independently. And at the end, I'll you know I'll I'll work out this schism, this split personality that I've created. Hopefully, or I'll see a psychologist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then we'll just go. Oh, look, surprise! You've got a portfolio yep. and you've got a business, so there's value there. So, I mean, the the goal um, is something that is pretty fluid for me. It kind of changes. Where am I at? I'm still in acquisition mode. Despite Really? Yeah. When did you buy your first property? Uh, that was mid to late 2000. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, you- so I would have been, um, yeah, I was not a, a, a an early starter. I would have been in my 20s, which mm-hmm. like you listen to a lot of podcasts. It's like I bought my first one when I was 11 and, you know, I had 10 <laughs> by the time I was I 18. I 16 jobs. I bought my first house when I was 11. Yeah, yeah. I lived on two-minute noodles. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, drove a bomb of a car. Okay, so you start investing a little bit later. So mm. yeah, if you're if you're three three and a bit years into this, I, I dare say you're still in acquisition oh, phase. It was mid to late two thousand. So yep. that was yeah. So not to twenty twenty two thousand. So it's quite oh, some time okay. ago now. Sorry, yeah. sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking you're twenty twenty, and I'm like, okay, you're no, no, no. <laughs> Okay, but you're still in the acquisition phase yeah, in yeah, the early yeah, 2000s. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm still in acquisition phase now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, look, I'm at that sort of point where I'm a little bit more critically analysing what's in the portfolio, mm-hmm. um, but certainly still acquiring. And I think for, for anyone that has the opportunity to purchase property, uh, I think you'll regret not getting in the market in this next little while. Mm-hmm. There's All of the fundamentals are, are pointing to strong growth for for property we've got you know a huge undersupply of dwellings we've got all what seems to be record uh interstate uh international migration mm-hmm. uh we've got a rental affordability crisis that the state politicians just seem to be making worse and worse oh, that's yeah. a whole nother episode oh, that's another podcast in itself rental caps and that kind of thing yeah definitely yeah. and i mean i'm i'm in my early 40s i'm, I'm still having fun i'm still going to be working for at least another 10 years so i mean that's still plenty of time for me to to, to build things up uh and then hopefully at the end I, I can sail off into the sunset and i'd like to do some um you know philanthropic stuff as as well it'd be nice to to do something to leave a little bit of a legacy for the for the world i mean that sounds a bit grandiose i'm not going to help us get to mars like elon but it would be nice to you know to to say lock out some uh some habitat for native wildlife or or bequeath some money to um you know charities that support people going through domestic violence or depression or something like that okay interesting because you I mean, you do have you have started. Um, you've got your own podcast and that, so I, f- I feel like you've got sort of like a legacy that you can look back on and have a laugh on, especially a couple of those earlier podcasts yeah. um, that you can that you can look back on. So, is your you're saying your sort of um, property philosophy, and you know, everyone's got their own different stuff. So it's just interesting to pick people's brains. Um, would you say you're you're looking to you know? Uh, once you finish the accumulation phase, you'll let you'll leave that for a bit of uh, a bit of growing, and then sell a couple down, pay off the debt on the the rest. Is that sort yeah. of the general gist of it? Yeah, the idea is to build uh, a certain asset base and then pull it back to the point where it's it's cash flow positive to to an extent that 
you could potentially be living off the um, off the results of that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the business is a, is a different sort of thing. So I've got a relatively modest um, portfolio for someone in this game, mm-hmm. but it's a bit like so the me- mechanic's wife's car is always kind of broken down. I'm focusing much more on other people's portfolios than I am my yep. own. Um, I'm probably a more successful business person than an investor, but, um, you know, it's, it's something in the last probably uh, 24 months that I've been focusing on a lot more and I plan to be very busy acquiring in the next uh, next 12 months. Perfect. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's interesting and I can't wait to see and hear about um, how you grow and, and um, how you go through that. As you said, very interesting times in the Australian property market in, in the different states and the recipe that's that's brewing and, and building up interest rates, migration, um, housing supply, supply and demand, and that kind of stuff. Um, sort of on the quantity surveying, quantity quantity surveying side of it. So, I've got here you're close to probably twenty years in that game now. Was that is that sort of accurate? I try not to think about it because then I just feel old. Yeah, I started my business in 2011, and yeah. and I was uh, managing a tax team at an, another business for a good like seven and a half years. I think I was there, yeah. so it's starting to add up, isn't it? It's it is starting to <laughs> add up, but it just shows you're you're qualified to speak about it. You've got your your you've got your um, skin in the game as well, owning your own investments. What's some of the? I'll always like to ask people sort of what are some of the horror stories, what are the worst things you've seen. Um, um, in terms of, I, I don't know if it would be applicable for for you guys in um, tax depreciation and that kind of thing. But have mm. you had any sort of nightmares or any you know stories worth telling on a on the on the podcast of clients or maybe it's you know people that have let so much money out of their reach or something yep. like that? What, can, what comes to mind? Oh, there's been all sorts of weird and wonderful things. I mean, I was nearly bitten by a dog that I realised could only speak French and I was trying to negotiate it with basic French because I was learning it from a CD. So there's things like that. And, and here's a tip. Don't say to a French dog, je regret, because that, that's like that's <laughs> French for I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, it didn't really pacify it yeah. <laughs> at all. Um, I don't know how useful that is to any of your listeners. But in terms of a horror story i talked about those missed deductions figures and and the average person losing twenty thousand five hundred and thirty seven. in that sample uh there was a lady who purchased uh and a unit off the plan so a brand new apartment which is great for deductions mm-hmm. and she waited 16 years to get a depreciation schedule done 16 years. Yeah, so we're talking in excess of $50,000 of missed deductions. So what would that be in her pocket? It could have been $20,000 of cold hard cash that she could have had. Now, of course, we All up or each year? Uh, that was all up. Okay. Uh, so we helped her to, to back claim two financial years. I don't know the end of the story. There are some times where accountants can go back further, but that sort of stuff keeps me up nights mm. and and you know if i i always like going on podcasts but assuming i woke up this morning i'm like i don't know about this dave guy it's stories like that yeah. that make me go i've still got to share this message because i hate the idea of people missing out okay so as a you can go back you can backdate only the last two years two financial years yeah Okay, good to know. Didn't know that. And uh, there's there's potential that there's a lot of people out there that have um, that have missed that opportunity and have left a lot of money on the pa- on the table that don't understand what a depreciation schedule is and and how they work. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Despite me prattling on about it for years, yeah. As you say, you've 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 seen me around for quite some yeah, time. Yeah, he's been around for a while. <clears throat> 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm roughly saying variations of the same thing. You know, these are entitlements that you are able to claim, so mm. get it done. Okay. Mike, I appreciate you coming on. That's a pretty good summary in terms of who you are, what a Q- quantity surveyor, what a QS does, and um, depreciation reports. I'm sure we'll have you back on to talk about depreciation schedules, your, your uh, specialty, but appreciate you coming out and uh, joining and jumping on the uh, Everything Property podcast. I appreciate it. Congrats on the success, and yeah, I'd love to come back. Thank you so much.